Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8:30, 9:10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, I'm so glad you're here this morning. If you were here last Sunday, You remember that in his Easter sermon, Tim shared that he had been so inspired by our Lenten artwork that he wanted to offer something of his own, and so he shared with us a stick figure rendition of the parable of the prodigal, and then trying to compare it to the Rembrandt said, sometimes it's the frame that makes the art. (laughs) Well... This week, the artwork was packed up and it was shipped back. And unknown to Tim, the art committee framed his picture. And, oh, but there's more, there's more. It is now hanging where the Rembrandt was hanging in the narthex. And if you go look at it after worship, you'll see a little sign underneath that reminds us this is our very own Tim Brandt. Well, this is our Life After Death Sunday, and I've got no artwork for you this morning. But I do have two passages from the book of Job that I'd like us to look at. So I invite you at this time to turn to first Job 14 and then Job 19 as we read these words from the Lord. Let's begin with verse 7 of Job chapter 14. Job says, at least there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. But a man dies and is laid low. He breathes his last and is no more. As the water of a lake dries up or a riverbed becomes parched and dry, so he lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more. People will not awake or be roused from their sleep. And then turning to Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Please join me in prayer. Oh, holy God, we are once again here on a Sunday to worship you and also longing for a word from you that would speak into our lives. And Lord, you desire that even greater than we do. And so we invite you this morning once again to give us ears to hear and to give us eyes to see and to give us hearts that would be responsive to your truths that you desire to share with us this day. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. There's a story of two church elders named Bob 
and Earl, and they both shared together a deep love of baseball. They loved going to games together. They would talk baseball throughout the year, and they even entertained the hope that just perhaps someday they might learn that there was baseball in heaven. Well, Bob eventually died, and sometime after that, he appeared to Earl in a dream, and after they had exchanged greetings, Earl said, Bob, I've got to know, is there baseball in heaven? And Bob said, well, Earl, I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news. The good news is, oh, yes, there's baseball in heaven. It's so much better than what we experience on earth. In the Lord's presence, everything is better. It's wonderful. And Earl said, well, that's great. What could possibly be the bad news? Well, Earl, you're the starting pitcher tomorrow night. (laughs) And so this morning, I have some good news, and I have some bad news. Let's get the bad news out of the way first so we can dwell longer on the good news. The bad news is that this life will come to an end for every one of us. That's a hard way to start a sermon because we don't like to think about our own mortality and we certainly don't want to talk about it. But unless we stare this fact square in the face, we are unable to fully appreciate what it is that Christ has done for us. Job in chapter 14 acknowledges this reality of our death. If you're not familiar with this Old Testament book, Job experienced tremendous loss and then he sought to make sense of it. Earlier in this same book, he actually wished for death, that he might have avoided this pain. And now he's contemplating death's finality. Job notes that even when a tree is cut down, its stump dead in the ground, life can still emerge from it. And he says, at the scent of rain, it will bud and put forth new shoots. But he goes on to observe that we do not have that same hope. We breathe our last, he writes, and are no more. And he compares us to a a lake or to a stream that dries up with drought. When death takes us, we are gone from this world. Now some of you may remember the movie from years ago, Forrest Gump, which starred Tom Hanks. And at one point in this movie, Hanks reflects on the fact that life is like a box of chocolates. Well, I want to suggest this morning that life is really like a bag of chocolates. Now think about it. At the outset, it seems like there is an unlimited, I'm going to try not to spill this all over in front of you. There we go. It seems like there is an unlimited supply in this bag. And we enjoy them with little thought of them coming to an end. And it's not until perhaps we reach near the bottom of the bag down to our last few 
that perhaps we are more aware that there really are a finite number of candies in this bag. And perhaps the final few are a bit more precious to us with that knowledge. Well, similarly, we tend to go through life with a mindset that we have a limitless number of days before us. Now, we know that's not true, but this enables us to enjoy our present moments without having to think of them coming to an end. But Job reminds us this morning of the bad news that none of us can avoid. Our days here on earth are numbered. And unlike the candies in this bag, many of us will never know when we are down to our last few. There will be a moment when we take our last breath, when all that we have enjoyed in life is gone, when our loved ones are left with tears and sadness. That is bad news. But fortunately, for God's faithful people, we also have good news that wonderfully tops this. And once again, Job directs us to it, this time in a remarkable expression of faith. Now, much of Job consists of, of dialogue back and forth between Job and his friends. And in a follow-up speech to chapter 14, Job says this in chapter 19, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Now, Job was so far before Christ's resurrection. It's unlikely that he is professing hope here that he will live again one day. But he envisions a moment beyond death when God would intercede on his behalf. You see, Job's friends were insistent that his suffering was caused by sin in his life and that it was God's punishment upon him. Well, Job didn't believe that was the case. And this was later affirmed by God in this same book. But here he is expressing hope that even on the other side of death, God would vindicate him and would restore honor to his name. Now, the word used for redeemer here comes from the Hebrew word goel. It's descriptive of, of a relative who could come to the help of a, of a family member who was in trouble. And so, for example, if an Israelite had to uh, sell themselves into slavery to be able to pay off their debts, and a relative bought that person out of slavery and redeemed them, they were that person's Goel. Now, interestingly, this word was also one of Israel's references for God 
in the Old Testament. It was rooted in their deliverance from Egypt. And the prophet Isaiah used it numerous times. And so Job is holding strongly to the hope that God would intervene on his behalf even beyond death. And friends, we have an even stronger hope today on this side of Christ's resurrection. For Jesus is our redeemer. He is our Goel. And he has intervened on our behalf to conquer death and to save us from the finality that it brings. And so because of what he has done, there will be a day when our sadness caused by death will be dwarfed by the joy of new life. This Sunday is such an important reminder of good news for all who are in personal relationship with God and who claim Jesus' saving work on the cross for our sins. Death will not have the last word. This is not the last that we have seen of our loved ones who have gone home to be with Jesus. They are experiencing life more fully now than they could have even on earth and we will one day as well. Yes, there is much in this world that is good and enjoyable. And so it's natural for us to want to hold on to it as long as we can. But can we believe can we believe that the life that awaits us beyond death is even better than what we are currently experiencing? Two weeks ago, my wife Deborah and I were scheduled to go on our first train trip from Denver to Glenwood Springs and then back again the next day. And unfortunately, the day before the trip, she became very ill. And we realized she couldn't make the trip. We'd already paid for the train and the accommodations, and we decided it was better for one of us to be able to go and enjoy it than for both of us to miss out, and so I went. <laughs> I saw a lot of beauty. There were enjoyable moments but I was very much aware that I was not sharing them with my wife. And I found myself thinking again and again, it wasn't supposed to be this way. You know, God has placed much beauty in this world and he's given us experiences to delight and enjoy in. And so it becomes easy for us to forget that life in this world also wasn't supposed to be this way. God's original designs for his creation have been marred in so many ways by the sin and fallenness of this world. And so we experience loss and pain and conflict and cancer and uncertainty 
and regrets and eventually death. And if we perceive that this is the best that we will experience, well, we are settling for a lot less than we need to. Christian author Bob Benson, who died at the age of 55 of cancer, wrote before he did, and I've shared this before. I used to think, loving life so greatly that to die would be like leaving the party before the end. But now I know that the party is really happening somewhere else. Friends, the bad news is that this life won't last forever. But the good news, the good news is that it cannot compare to what God still has in store for us. You know, we have been wonderfully blessed during this Lenten series by the artwork that enabled us to better understand the parable of the prodigal. No artist, not even the most brilliant artist, can capture the glory and the beauty of life after death that awaits. The Apostle John attempted to in the book of Revelation, but even that is hard for us to grapple because even words could not capture what he had seen and experienced. And so with that in mind, I want to humbly attempt this morning to offer two brief thoughts about what I think we have to look forward to. First of all, relationships will be richer than we have ever experienced. They have to be. Think how often our love for someone here in this world has been hindered by busyness or by distractions. They'll be gone, as will misunderstandings and insecurities and conflict and the self-focused nature of sin. Now we will give and we will receive love at its purest, deepest form. And then second, our joy will be greater than we have ever experienced. Again, everything that stifles joy in this world will be absent. But even more, we will be with the author of joy. The psalmist writes, you will fill me with joy in your presence. And that will be our experience as well. Whatever joy we have experienced in this world will be multiplied exponentially when we are with our Lord. A few months ago, Deborah and I moved and now live next to Ute Valley Park. And one of my great joys of the week is walking the trails in that park. When I enter from the west side, there is a, a road that takes you up and into the park. And when you go in the morning, it's still shaded from the sun. 
But it's daylight, so there's plenty of light to be able to see and look around, and there's certainly plenty of beauty around you. But when I reach the top and I find myself in the warmth of the sun, I can suddenly see so much more clearly in the sunlight. And I can see much more beauty that stretches out in front of me in that moment. And friends, that's the image that comes to mind for me of that moment when we journey from this world into the next. There will be a day when each of us who love God and are loved by him make this journey. And we'll pass from a world where we have assumed we have seen as clearly and experienced as deeply as we possibly can into a new reality far more glorious and beautiful than we can yet imagine. Until that day comes, let me close by briefly encouraging us to do three things. First of all, if you have not asked Jesus to be your redeemer, your goel, to save you from the devastating consequences of sin and death, don't leave here today without doing so. There will be pastors and Stephen ministers here in the front who would count it a great privilege to talk with you and to pray with you. You know, this is one of those decisions that, that always feels easier to put off to another time. But as we have noted, none of us know how many days we have left. And then second, treasure each day as precious. Remembering that we do have a finite number of them. Every new day is a new gift from God. And so let's each seek to make the most of these gifts that God continues to give us for as long as he does. And then finally, cultivate a yearning for the glorious future that God still has for us, for the best that is yet to come. And as we do, may Job's words become our own. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. How my heart yearns within me. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.